welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and I, we are today welcoming back a guest, Sharna Prasad, who is a doctor of physical therapy and also a founding member of the Oregon Pain Science Alliance. Thank you, Tom. I'm very happy to have Sharna on board today. We taught her last week about her background, how she came to be so excited about treating chronic pain. The nickname that the group took initially and still hangs around the word Paniacs, and they're simply excited about treating chronic pain. And as you all know, I'm also very excited about treating chronic pain. It's been by far and away, far and away the most rewarding phase of my career, whereas like most other healthcare professionals, I dread seeing chronic pain. But the key issue, if you have the correct paradigm and watch people get better, is just flat out fun. They particularly, we take people without hope that are simply trapped deep in chronic pain. Not only do they come out of chronic pain, they actually thrive at a level they never thrived at even before they went into chronic pain. Sharna has become quite effective and consistent with her approach to patients. And Sharna, if you just could reintroduce yourself really quickly. Um, congratulations, by the way, I didn't realize you'd received your doctorate. So it's Dr. Prasad now, right? And so that's fantastic. Congratulations. But um, anyway, um, Sharna, could you just introduce yourself a little bit more and then we'll jump into your approach. Um, I'm Sharna Prasad, physical therapist. I've been a PT for 32 years. I went to PT school in India and um, went to school at NYU for my um, grad school work. And then I have just um, finished my um, therapeutic pain specialist and my DBT with Adrian Lau's group, Evidence in Motion. Great. Well, in the last show, we talked about how you've been in the Willamette Valley for what? How many years? 20 years? 21. 21 years. years. And she's worked with a friend of mine, friend of ours, Dr. Kevin Kukaro, who's a pain specialist and anesthesiologist in the Willamette Valley. And he and I have been friends for a while. We actually met about the same time. And I have asked Sharna on this episode to really talk about how, what is her specific approach that's been successful in helping people out of pain. We talked about her own neck pain and back pain years ago and how she evolved into her current approach. But as you, as you know, as you actually use the approach, things evolve. So I'm really curious now, as if I walked in the door, I'm your patient, what, how do you view me? What's your general assessment? What, how do you start? So when I meet someone in our waiting room, I will say, um, welcome, glad you could make it. Uh, there's a long walk to my room. I'm Sharna and you know, we walk to the room and I sit down, I get my computer up and I have to document, unfortunately. And I said, you know, and then I, t I tell them, I'm ready for your story. And then I just wait. And they said, well, what do you mean? And I just shrug and I don't say anything. I just wait <laughs> for them to start where they are. And that is the absolute, that pause, that wait is the best thing I have learned. And this is from a motivation interviewing. I've taken a lot of courses and I have a lot of people who have guided me through that process. And that pause is the best thing ever because I've had people tell me when I was nine years old and, I, and this would be a 70 year old gentleman who has started the story from nine years old. So I know that incident that happened at nine years of age has a huge impact on this pain today 
and right. I can't stop listening. So to me, it's so exciting right now because every story, it's, it's a story. Every patient is coming with a very unique story and how am I listening and how am I dancing with them versus, you know, I, I don't have an agenda. I, right. before, before I used to have an agenda with right. boxes, I would tick them off and I would get really upset if my patients would jump to something else when I was on a box that was much higher. But right. now it's like, don't worry about it. Just tell me whatever and I'll figure out, I'll figure out my boxes awesome. later. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, that's a really good point because it's been well documented. I think the patients now, they've timed this. The patients can talk somewhere between 12 to 15 seconds before the doctor interrupts them. Did you see that? Have you seen that data? It's really interesting. Yes, I have seen that data. And, and that, I mean, I don't interrupt for at least five to eight minutes minimum. Wow. I mean, I don't wow. look at the clock. I do not look at the clock. But there are times I don't say any. I mean, I'll just maybe validate that. And um, I just recently took a motivation interview in class where they talk about repeating what the patient says. But I don't feel like I want to interrupt wow. them if they're wow. on a storytelling mode, you know? Well, that's very interesting. I mean, I, the, one of the biggest problems that people in chronic pain have is that since you can't find an anatomic reason 90% of the time, people don't believe them. Their family doesn't believe them. The doctors don't believe them. Their colleagues don't believe them. So people don't feel believed and they feel labeled. And of course, when you're labeled, you feel like you're trapped and nobody's listening to you. It's been actually documented, but just common sense is you know, just listening to somebody and find out what's going on is always the first step in solving the problem. So that's fantastic. So, okay, so now you've heard the story. And what's your general approach? Because let me ask you a different question. What percent of patients that stick with you and engage with your process, I'll use the word their process, guided by you, do you think it better? I, um, and I'm not trying to brag, but I have a very high efficiency and effectiveness with my patients. Right now, for a non-specific low back pain, the average sessions I'm seeing them is anywhere from four to five. Okay. Over a period of three months is what it's. It's a coaching, coaching style more than physical therapy, as in traditional physical therapy. And what percent of those patients get better? I would say most of them. Most, most of them, unless, like unless they're a complex patient. You know, right. the complex pain syndromes; those take much, much longer. Well, not so much time, but I mean, my I guess what I'm trying to say with my experience has been. The biggest obstacle to people healing is simply, is simply people feeling, being willing to be responsible and engage in the practice. And once they engage, probably 90 to 95% of them get better at some point. Some people it's weeks. I would say the average three to six months. Some people it's even a year or two at some point. But once you start the process, the brain actually physically changes. We know that. And so... That's my question. I, I knew what the answer was before I asked it, but the vast majority of patients at some point, once they engage, why they get better. That is absolutely true, David. I totally agree with you. And when I say four to five visits, I don't mean that they're all better and you know that I've used this magic wand and you know I'm so good in what I'm doing. I, I don't mean it that way. What I mean is that they have started their process. They have understood movement. They have understood the value of touch as an oxytocin, not as in manual therapy right. and how, what, how, what is the importance of all the people in their lives and 
they've understood self-care and that is and they, they they're on their journey to understanding what pain is and um i do have a really good story about that and okay. I, i'm really proud of sharing that if you were ready for that yep. so i i had a gentleman um he had just retired um like three years ago and he came to me with this um, diagnosis of spinal stenosis and he i haven't been able to work in my um he was a carpenter he said i haven't been able to do all my um making picnic tables for the last three three years and um, I'm very frustrated about that I said okay so what else and he said well I'm, I'm afraid I said what are you afraid of he's like my diagnosis and I said what does spinal stenosis mean to you and he said well my um, spine is getting narrower and I said and what, what's it going to do it's going to press on the nerves what's that going to do well I'm going to be paralyzed and 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 I just paused and he says, and that's when the emotional part hit. And he said, I don't want to be in a wheelchair like my mother. And that right. was, so that is the meaning of his diagnosis. And right. in order for us, if I had just stopped at narrowing of the canal and started on a rant on, well, this is what it is, da, 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 that would, I would never have found out that right. the fear is the biggest peace right the fear of right. being lonely like his mother in a nursing home in a in a wheelchair was his big fear so right. when i i i heard that i said okay and that was just in, information from the from the interview so then my examination was i put him through an examination i had him get on the floor stand up had him do forward flexion um had him do some sit to stand activities and just kind of got a feel for what he could physically do which he was doing great checked his sensation checked his reflexes they were all great so i said okay so are you ready to listen and he goes yes and he says you're very strong you have a diagnosis of spinal canal stenosis. Well, the canal may or may not get narrow. We don't know, but, and then I use the example of, we are sitting on a, um, a fault line. We are waiting for an earthquake to happen in Oregon. We can just stop doing everything and wait for this earthquake to happen, or we can continue living our lives and see if when it happens, we'll deal with it. So I, and I, I told him, I said, you are very strong. You have got great strength great flexibility, you're okay. And, um, but you know, tell me what your goals are. His goal was to walk to the mailbox, to walk to his workshop because he was a wood man. And there was one more goal, I can't remember what it was. So those were his three goals. I said, you know, for a home program, are you okay just getting up from your chair a couple of times a day? And he said, I think I could do that. I did about seven of those in your in the office, so I could do that. I said, okay, and just maybe start walking halfway to the mailbox and coming back and just very simple stuff. And I explained um, the triangle that Dr. Kukarud uses, which is the pain, um, what is pain? And he uses the fire analogy. That right. You know, when, when you have fire, you need oxygen, um, oxygen, heat, and fuel. And in pain, you have body sensation, emotions, and the cognitive, your thoughts and beliefs. So I used that and I showed him that. It just takes me 30 seconds to explain that. And he went home and came back a week later. I see my patients weekly or every two weeks at least, or once a month. 
so he came back the next week and he had a frown on his face. And I said, oh gosh, you know, this is really bad. So he said, um, I said, what's going on? He said, I have no pain. And I was like, oh no, Shona, talk about relapse, talk about relapse. I was just preparing myself because you, you can't get better so soon. But he sat there, he said, I don't know, but I have no pain right now. So I said, tell me what happened. She said, I went home. I talked to my wife about that triangle thing you talked about, sensation and emotions and thoughts. And my wife said, you know what? That's good because you don't talk about emotions ever. So that's good. That same evening, I had some buddies come over and we, had, we were having beer. And um, the guy said, what, she didn't touch you? She didn't do any manual therapy? You need to stop going to see her. This is not the right PT for you. And I said, you know, fine. And all I did was just, you know, hung around. And I said, let me just see what happened. So I started going to my workshop. I started touching the wood. I started touching my equipment. And before you know, I made all three of my um, picnic tables that I was given a contract for. And not only that, I cut enough wood to put it on Craigslist to for eight more picnic tables. And I'm starting to get orders for that. And I have no pain right now. I said, okay. And so then I started talking a little bit more about relapse and stuff like that. But I said, tell me what, what happened? What changed you in this whole process? And he said, you know, when you took me into the ground and I stood up and you said, you're okay. Just that sentence made me realize that I am okay. And I'm like, okay, then you're okay. So then I said, okay, well, here's some more information on this, this, I'll see you in a month. And then a month later, he never showed up. And I called him and I said, hey, what's going on? Why did you, he said, Sharna, I am loading sheetrock in my truck. I, I, I'm fine, I don't need any help right now. <laughs> I, I'm good to go. So that was like, that's of course my best story. So I'm sharing my best story. I've had lots of great stories, but this is one of my things. Well, but, but you also know there's lots of best stories like that. I mean, this does happen all the time. Um, I actually see it happen quickly like that all the time also. Just people get told they have degenerative disease or spontanosis, and they become afraid of the diagnosis. The problem is when you're afraid, what people don't understand, it changes your body's chemistry. So you're full of adrenaline, cortisol, and histamines actually doubles the nerve conduction. You really do feel the pain. But it's that perception that it's dangerous is what, what cranks up the body chemistry. And what you're doing, you helped him feel safe. You listen to him, help him calm down. He started feeling safe with himself. And as it changes the body's chemistry, people's pain really does disappear. Um, I wanted to be, be clear in a couple things. So I know Howard Schumer and I um, think this really clearly. And I said it on the last podcast, but I just want to reiterate that doctors in general, including myself historically, I don't want to be too critical here, really look at chronic pain as something to be managed, not cured. And we see it being cured all the time. Uh -huh. It's a solvable problem. Uh -huh. Once you understand the neurochemical nature of it, and we've just barely touched on the surface of today, once you do your homework and understand pain, understand that pain is not necessarily reflecting damage, it's your nervous system interpreting signals, which may or, not be, may or may not be accurate. Once you understand that, it's just game on. People really do get better consistently. And as you pointed out, probably, I'm just guessing 90% of your people at some point go to pain. When I say pain-free, I mean, there's always flare-ups, et cetera. But in general, the chronic pain that tied them to the 
ground is actually gone. Is that a fair yes. statement? Yeah, I think it's a very fair statement. We, Dr. Kokoro is our leader in our area and he doesn't use the word manage pain anymore. He uses, he uses the word master pain. So we're, right. we're in that process of mastering pain and that has changed our focus because when you use word, when we use words like chronic illness or chronic pain, it, it takes away hope. It takes away like, I have this problem i'm gonna to have to just manage it have to live with it and i i don't believe that's true and i'm in total agreement with you and right. um howard schubner that that it it can be turned around you change you cha changing the neurophysiology that safety right. is complete and i that classic example that i gave that was that is so classic i mean i have a gazillion examples and i think i need to start writing a book or something but there, there's lot of stories that uh, they changed. I, I mean, I had another patient, she was coming for a neck pain and she was an older lady. And she said, every time I turn my neck, there's a clicking sound. And I said, okay, so tell me more about the clicking sound. She said, it's, I said, what does it feel like? He said, it clicks and I'm scared. I said, and what are you scared of? And she says, it feels like my vertebras are sliding over each other. It's gonna press the spinal cord and I'm gonna be paralyzed. I said, oh my gosh, that is a scary, that's a scary visual to have. If every time that neck makes that clicking sound, you feel like your vertebra is going to slide and you're going to hit the nerve, right. I mean, a spinal cord. It was like similar thing what I had gone through. So, right. so I said, do you trust me? And are you okay if we try something? And, and I said, you know, just like the door hinge is noisy, you, right. um, you know, what do you do? You take a WD-40 and you squirt on it. And then I use some humor and I say, and don't use WD-40 on your neck, but use movement right. that will help your, um, you know, and so she started moving and she says, I hear the clicking, but I, I see that it's like a door hinge. And every time I move, I'm lubricating that joint. Right. And as I lubricate it, my, you know, the sound may be there or not be there. And before you know, she was on her way and we right. went. No, it's just unbelievable. I'd like to finish up here with just telling the audience about some of the things that you're doing now in an effort to keep this whole process going. I'm, we mentioned on the prior podcast that you really have, your PDI group has gone from five or 10 up to 30 or 40 and you have patients running it and it's organizing into a statewide alliance. And that's been my approach also just to keep, being persistent and just helping people that are open to be helped and the the energy will definitely grow. But I'm really curious about some of your efforts now to actually get the message out both to the Valley and also to the state of Oregon with what you're doing. Um, so there are a couple of programs we have. Um, the first one we call MAPS, which is Movement, Mindfulness and Pain Science. That's a more um, in-depth program where our patients sign up. We, they're evaluated by the physical therapist and then they are led into this group class, which is two times a week for two hours each for eight weeks. And in that process, we are going through movement and mindfulness and a big chunk of uh, pain science. So it starts off with a lot of um, didactic work and then gradually and very easy movements. And then over time, the movement um, just takes over and mindfulness. And then you're just experientially learning that whole process. So this is for patients? Yes, this is all for patients. And this is in so a group meet, setting? 
it's in a group setting. Um, then this, we've been doing this for now two and a half years. So okay. we have the data, we just have to um, do the IRB and you know do it formally, um, assess the data. So that's, that's one thing that we are working on. The, um, and the, the patients that are coming out of these group classes have created their own support group. Okay. And they meet two times a month to just, we, we're not involved in that at all, but that group is growing as well, very well. So right. there, there's a lot of hope there. So that's one thing. The other thing is I got a, a grant to bring uh, uh, opioid misuse of pain science and healthy self-care skills into the high schools. Okay, and, wow. So the, I'm working on that right now. So we have developed a pretty comprehensive curriculum with um, an occupational therapist, um, David, um, Michael Falcon, sorry, not David, uh, okay. Michael Falcon. And he and I, uh, along with the school principals and the um, professional development people have come up with um, a program. And uh, we are um, working on teaching the teachers so that they can take it into the classroom. And we're working on making um, champions in the school district to have a couple of teachers who understand this material completely in it. I mean, it's going to be hard for us to get the pain science concepts in right. completely, but the 101 pain science, they can understand and how can they bring that to the high school kids. So that's the exciting part for when, us. When did that start? How long ago did that start? That started January 2019, and it the the funding will end Jan um, December 2019. And how how's that going? How, what are some of the things you've seen? It, it's going really well. The the there there's there's certain things. It's very interesting. In Corvallis is a very um, um, affluent neighborhood. I mean, they're, right. they're well off people, well educated, they have HP and all these bigger companies. So people are well, you know, um, well educated is the word I want to use. And so there is not that much of an opioid problem here. So and that this is very interesting, because you don't have an opioid problem. And and parents don't want to hear about mental health, right? But we can bridge that gap through pain science. Everybody has pain. So that bridging is there, but the teachers don't see that as a bigger problem. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, our kids don't have it. So right now we are working with students who have gone through this opioid problems and they are in our community and they are ready to speak now. And nice. they're telling that the teachers know that we have a problem, but they're choosing not to listen to this. Wow. So yeah, it's very powerful. This this Fantastic. community is very powerful. So that's the Kavala's community is a little bit resistant, but we have a couple of teachers who have started to understand the value of self-care and they are um, starting to practice their own um, journey and they're bringing it to their um, patients, I mean, to their students. Well, you'd also mentioned that more and more physicians and physical therapists in the Valley are also... Um, accepting the concepts and implementing them with lots of really positive results. But I mean, I will tell you that when you take a patient who's been absolutely hopeless for five, 10, 15 years, my record, by the way, is 55 years of chronic pain and they come out of chronic pain, they can't put into words how happy they are. I mean, it's unbelievable. And what happens is it energizes everybody and energizes their families, their colleagues, the physicians themselves. 
but it's a real positive effect that keeps growing. And your family's just getting started, and I'm just excited to see what's going to happen in five or ten years from now because it's really, really a great energy that you put out there. Yeah. But anyway, Cheryl, thank you very, very much. This is wonderful. I learned a bunch of things that I didn't really know before, including the fact that you're now a doctor. So again, congratulations. Oh, thank you. And, and you're a busy person, aren't you? Um, actually, no. I work part-time, and I do part-time. I do projects and whatever else I feel like doing. So I am very comfortable with my time. I take care yeah. of myself very well. Excellent. Nice work. Anyway, well, thank you very much for being on our show. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Well, Sharda, again, thank you for sharing the principles of your practice and those uh, great stories. They're very inspiring and the, the work that you're doing now, including in the high schools. I, I think that's such a great step forward in people understanding pain and how pain works. And for our listeners, I want to welcome you uh, back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.